Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. I am actually going to read the text before I say anything about the message. Um, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it to Ephesians chapter 5. We actually have a fairly long text tonight. That's why I want to read it up front because then I'm going to refer to pieces as we go. Um, so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 through 21. So bear with me. We have 21 verses, but probably, well, not probably, the most important thing that's going to be said tonight is God's Word being read, okay? So please don't gloss over as we read God's Word, all right? So here we go. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 21. says this, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenities, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed to the light, or exposed by the light, becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's word to us tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we talk about this powerful passage, it's so packed with so much. We ask that you would apprehend our hearts and focus our minds that we would glean what the Spirit wants to say tonight for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Um, I will never forget when I was a freshman in college, I went to this, uh, this school called John A. Logan College um, before I ended up transferring, and we were playing uh, a basketball game against the number one ranked school in the nation in our division, Wabash Valley. And I, not many people went to basketball games at Johnny Logan College, um, but I had a, a basketball player in my class that I became friends with, and so I started going to games. And, and Wabash Valley was ranked number one, and so, but I want to give you the, the, the picture. It wasn't like it was a packed gym, okay? I walked in, sat on the third row, okay, of the bleachers, okay? So that gives you a sense of what the, what the gym was like. But the game came down to the very end. And it was tied. Or I, maybe actually it was tied. Maybe we were down by, I don't remember. But all I remember is this. At the last moment, the final seconds, John A. Logan took a shot from around half court and it went in and we won the game. We beat the number one ranked team in the nation for our division, okay? Um, not, not division one, okay? But at that moment, I'm sitting on the third row, And I do what was, to me, the only rational response to upsetting the number one ranked team on a last second shot from half court. I rush the court. I run onto the court in jubilation and elation that we had just knocked off this this team. And I take the court and I have my hands raised and I'm running out there to congratulate Mitch. And as I'm running out there, I turn around and realize I'm the only one rushing the court. Awkward? You better believe it. So I just kind of turned back and ran back to my row. (laughs) Oh, man. I want to be honest with you. I felt like that was the proper response. To rush the court when you just knocked off with a last second shot, the number one team in the nation, that is the proper response. But I was the only one doing it. And it was awkward. And the reason why I tell you that story is because the title of the message tonight is Walk Differently. Or Walk This Way. Um, We walk differently as followers of Jesus. Now, I love what Liz shared because the first half of Ephesians tells you uh, nothing about how you should walk per se. It tells you about how you should sit. (laughs) What you sit in as a follower of Jesus, that when you place your faith in Christ, you sit in this wealth of glorious riches of God's grace and mercy upon your life with Uh, huge implications that changes everything. And Paul spends three chapters articulating how to sit in Christ, what it means, what you sit in when you sit in Christ. And then in chapter four, he tells you how to walk. In fact, it becomes the primary verb. Chapters four and five, the, uh, the primary verb that drives those chapters is walk. And we'll just take a a quick run through chapter four and five. In in chapter four, verse one, it says this, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. In other words, I want you to respond appropriately to to the lavish wealth of the riches of God that you've been given. 
And then it says in chapter four, verse 17, it says, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. But they could have said, but Paul, we are Gentiles. And he said, no, well, yes, but you're actually in Christ now. And so as a result of being in Christ, you walk differently. Then in chapter five, it says, follow God's example. I just read this. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. And then I just read this, verse 15 of chapter five. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, some of you are reading your NIV and say, it doesn't say walk, it says live. You're right. It's the same verb that the NIV just translated live because walk was a metaphor, a Jewish ethical metaphor of how you live. And so, when it, and so the NIV simplified it and just says live. But the actual verb, the, the actual translation of the verb is to walk. And so it means literally how you live or how you conduct yourself. We walk differently. We conduct ourselves differently. Not as the Gentiles do. We're careful of how we live. And I really love the word picture of walk. And here's the reason why. is because all of us, when we were born, had to learn how to walk. And this picture of we walk differently, it isn't as if you become a follower of Jesus and all of a sudden you just hop up out of your new birth and you just take off running. No, it is a process of learning how to walk as Jesus desires for you to walk. And so it is a progressive reality. It's a word that we call theologically sanctification. We learn how to walk. And so what I'm going to do today in the next few minutes, I'm going to do three things. It's a pretty lofty goal. Um, I'm going to do, um, number one, I want to tell you why we walk differently. Number two, I want to talk to you about the ways we walk differently. And then number three, I want to talk about how we walk differently. Okay. So why ways, and then how. So number one, why do we walk differently? There's actually three word pictures that Paul um, embeds within these 21 verses. And I want to I just quickly look at each word picture of why we walk differently. The first is in verse one. It says this, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. We walk differently because God wants us to bear the family resemblance as dearly loved children. Now, here's what I love. In, in chapter one, verse five, it says this, that you have been adopted into God's family, right? You've been adopted into his family. That's chapter one, verse five. Now, chapter five, verse one, it says, as someone who's been adopted into God's family by his grace and by his mercy, now live as somebody who's in his family as dearly loved children. And I love the order because we don't, as Liz said, we don't Uh, try to live a certain way so we can be adopted in. No, we are adopted in and therefore we live a certain way, right? Do you know what God's number one desire is for your life? That you would bear the family resemblance. It says in Romans chapter eight, it says this, that you would be conformed into the image of his son. In other words, let me give you the, the, the short that you would live as Jesus would live if he were in your shoes. That you would do what Jesus would do if he was in your shoes. How would Jesus live if he was in your shoes? That's to bear the image of the son, right? And his, his agenda, his goal, his desire for your life is that you would bear the family resemblance, that you would bear the image of his son. Now, here's what I know. 
our families of origin have a great impact on our lives. Um, for example, I grew up in a house that did not wear shoes in the house because that's nasty. Anybody agree with me? That's nasty? Okay, some of you did. Yeah, all right. I'm just kidding with you. But we don't wear shoes in the house because that's the way I grew up. We also don't just do free-range snacking. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you grew up in houses. I was like, I always liked my friends who had free-range snacking rights where they could just go to the cupboards and raid them at any given point. Not in my house. So you had to master how to put the cookie lid back down really gently so it didn't cling. My brother mastered that, by the way. Um, Anyways, the point is, there's certain things that you pick up on by living in the household. Now, there's also way more consequential things. There's certain convictions, certain values, and certain character that is formed in us that we're, where we can bear the family resemblance. And what, what God wants us to do is to spend time in his family and bear his character, his value, his convictions through our lives. And so the first picture of why we live differently is because we are in his family that he wants us to live like Jesus would live if he was in our shoes. Secondly, and you know what? Can you give me my phone, Christine? I forgot my phone. Sorry about that. I had it out for a reason. I'm not used to, thank you, Christine, give her a hand. I'm not used to, uh, I'm not used to bringing up my phone when I preach, but t- today I do. The second one is this. Um, the second one is, the second word picture is because you are light in the Lord. Did you see what it says? It says this. It says, once you were darkness, but now you are light. And the reason why we live differently is because we are light. In other words, when you place your faith in Jesus, who is the light of the world, and you are in Christ, you become a light. You don't, you don't do things that light does. You are light. And actually it says you were darkness. In other words, you didn't just do darkness, but darkness was so bound up in you. You were darkness. And now the light of Jesus shines in you and shines through you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out your phones. Here's, here, but please do not check your messages, okay? All right. I'm trusting you. This is a lot of trust. Okay. I want you to get out your phones and then I want you to turn on your light. Okay. Go ahead, guys. Um, we're going to do a little thing here. There we go. Everywhere, watch parties, you're doing this too. This is who we are supposed to be in the world. That when we walk around the world, in the world, around UVA, that we are shining, we are emanating the light of Christ. You are light. And this is why we don't live the same way as darkness. Because fundamentally, when light comes into darkness, what happens? Darkness goes away because darkness is defined by lack of light. And so we, it, it, this is the awkwardness when light seeks to, um, as it says, join the deeds of darkness because like you're, you're trying to cover up the light, but it's still kind of glowing through. It's like, what are you doing? And they're like, well, if you're going to come over here to darkness, you got to turn out the light. But the only problem is you can't turn out the light because you are light. That's who you are in Christ. And so Paul is saying this, we don't engage in the, the deeds of darkness because we are light. This is who we are, and so we live differently. Okay, thank you guys. You can turn the lights back on. You can turn your, um, your flashlights off as your eyes readjust. Quickly, I want to hit on the third way we live differently, and that is 
that we live filled by the Spirit. Did you see the juxtaposition? He says we don't, we don't live, he says we don't get drunk, which leads to debauchery. Instead, we live filled with the Spirit. It's an interesting juxtaposition. Why does he say that? Because here's what happens when we, um, if we were to be intoxicated with alcohol, it actually would suppress the parts of our brain that help us live wisely, self-controlled, and, to, um, and things that would lead towards godliness, right? Good judgment. And so he says, that's why we don't get drunk. That's why we, we, we stay, because it leads to debauchery, which is wild living. It leads to, to, to wild living, and it suppresses the things that help you to not lose control. On the other hand, with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit actually does the exact opposite. What the Holy Spirit does is actually heightens your ability to live self-controlled. It heightens your ability. The, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit heightens your ability to live in, with a power and strength that you would not have been able to live in any other way. Therefore, you can be more Christ-like. And so this is why Christians should not get drunk because it actually puts you further away from godliness when the Spirit pushes you towards godliness. And here's the fact, you cannot be controlled by alcohol and controlled by the Spirit simultaneously. You can't be intoxicated with both. It's not possible. And so we have these three pictures, bear the family resemblance, we are light, and we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we live differently. Now let's talk about the ways we live differently. The first is we live differently with forgiveness. We live differently with forgiveness. In fact, this verse, it says, follow the exam- God's example as dearly loved children. In other words, follow the example of your father's dearly loved children is in the context of forgiveness. And think about this. Think about how much grace has been lavished upon you. I mean, I can't tell you, I've got truckloads and truckloads and truckloads of grace that has been lavished on me. And here's the fact, I didn't deserve any of it. But God has forgiven me in Christ. And now he says, bear the example or follow the example of, of God and what? Follow the way of love, forgive and love. So what that means is this. We practice forgiveness. We live in a day where grace doesn't flow easily. Yet as followers of Jesus, we live differently. We walk differently. We walk with grace and forgiveness towards people. Why? Because we've been lavished with it. And we want to emulate our Father who has been gracious to us. And so the first way that we live differently is by giving grace. In fact, this week, as I was preparing this, I was reading the book of Acts and I came across Stephen. And Stephen was the first martyr of the church. And I was so struck when he was getting stoned. Do you know what he said? Here's what he said. See if this sounds familiar. Stephen said this, the last words recorded that he said as he was getting stoned, he said this, Lord, do not hold their sins against them. Does that sound like anyone? It sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? On the cross when he says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. And here's Stephen and it says, full of the Holy Spirit, 
says, Lord, don't hold their sins against them. He's giving grace to the people who are killing him. And what is he doing? He's bearing the resemblance of God's son, living differently. Secondly, we uh, walk differently with our sexuality. There are a few verses that Paul talks about with this. And in chapter 4, verse 17 He says this, well, I'm sorry, and actually in verse 19, he's describing the way the Gentiles live. And he says, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. And here's the picture. They do not live with sensitivity. Instead, their lives are defined by sensuality. And then in our passage we just read, And in verse 3, he says that there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed. In other words, he's saying that we walk differently with our sexuality. I don't have time to talk in depth about this, but I thought of an appointment I had with a student years ago. Uh, This student was telling me about his weekend and his house... Uh, was having a party. He lived in a fraternity house. His house was having a party. And at the party, um, a young lady came into his room, closed the door, and propositioned him. And he said, I got my keys, I walked her to my car, and I took her home. And I had watched this guy being transformed by Jesus, okay, over the course of this year. And when he said that, I went, Yes! <laughs> And why did I say yes? Because he was living with a sensitivity towards her and not a sensuality towards her. Because he was treating her with the, with the dignity and value that she possessed that was profound. And he was shining the light of Christ being a light in the midst of darkness. And he was showing the self-control of the Holy Spirit. He was exhibiting a spirit-filled life. All of it was being exhibited in that moment, that decision. It was a huge victory for him. And I know for all of us, um, our journey with our sexuality is one present and two unique. But I know this, that Jesus calls all of us, no matter what our journey is like, to submit that area of our life and walk differently than a culture. Ephesus was full of all kinds, all kinds of sensuality and all kinds of sexuality. And Paul says, but we walk differently. Submit it to Jesus and glorify God, shine his light, whatever your journey is. And then finally, and I, I'm just giving, this is what the text is talking about. He hits on one more thing of the ways we live differently, the words we say. Because here's the thing, when you are full of grace and sensitivity rather than full of bitterness and sensuality, you talk differently. Would you agree? If you're full of grace rather than bitterness, you're going to talk differently. If you're full of um, sensitivity towards people and towards the spirit versus sensuality, you're going to talk differently. And so it's no surprise that Paul then says, and we talk differently too. I mean, look at what he says in in verse four. 
nor should there be obscenities, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. Rather, thanksgiving. In other words, he's saying, we, we don't just talk with innuendo. We don't just talk crudely. No, we want to say stuff that, that would glorify God. In fact, then as you come to the end of the passage, he says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. And you're like, that's kind of strange. I mean, when's the last time somebody came up and just sung to you? What is Paul saying? He's saying this, rather, rather than, than saying words that would emulate darkness, say words that would encourage each other towards the light of Christ. We speak differently. I was uh, thinking of somebody that I know who um, had come back to Christ and his mouth was slow to be sanctified, if we could say that. And he worked with a lot of people whose mouths were not trying to be sanctified, okay? And so he, he made a commitment uh, to the Lord. He said this, every time that I curse or say something that would be inappropriate, I'm going to repent to the people I work with. And so it was incredibly awkward, right? He was like, you know, he would say something he shouldn't have said. And he's like, oh, guys, I'm sorry. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I shouldn't be talking like that. And they're like, dude, it's fine, man. Like, this is no, no problem. He's like, no, I, I really shouldn't. So, like, after like six times, he stopped, right? Because it was so awkward every time to repent and apologize. But here's the point. Why does, why does Paul point this out? Because if we, if we look at this, forgiveness is an issue of the heart. Jesus says the way we handle our sexuality is an issue of the heart. And he also says the way we speak is an issue of the heart. And he wants what we say to reflect a heart of light, not a heart of darkness. And so it's not full of coarse joking. It's not full of obscenity. It's not full of foolish talk. So these are just some of the ways, and we could enumerate many, many, many more. But these are some of the ways that we live differently. Now, finally, in closing, um, how? do we live differently? Because has anybody here ever tried to live differently and failed? <laughs> if you didn't raise your hand, then uh, yes, of course we have. Here's what I know. I can't change my own heart. Um, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. But we're actually told the key to living differently. And it's this, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with it. The Spirit is the key to us being able to live differently. By the way, all these images, no, our, our, our pictures, they're not claiming that you're going to be sinless. They're just saying, okay, sin may remain in your life. This is how John Wesley put it. Sin may remain in your life, but sin doesn't reign in your life. Light now reigns. The spirit now reigns over the flesh. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean that you're sinless. It just means it, it doesn't reign in your life. The spirit reigns in your life. So how do we be filled with the spirit? Well, I want to just, just deconstruct this for a moment. First of all, um, we are filled with the spirit. It's actually in the Greek, and I don't speak Greek, but I read people who do, okay? And John Stott really helped me with this. He said this, that the Greek is in the passive voice. In other words, you don't fill yourself with the Spirit. All you can do is make yourself available to be filled by the Spirit. God's the one who fills you by the Spirit. 
And this is, so, so how do we make ourselves available? Well, I would say this, we make ourselves available this way. We make ourselves available through spiritual disciplines. What do you mean by spiritual disciplines, Pete? I mean this, by taking, spending time with God in prayer, spending with time, time with God in his word, spending time with God in worship, spending time with God in silence or fasting. Those are spiritual disciplines. And what they are is simply creating a, a space for God to transform you. The, the spiritual disciplines are, are creating, are, are taking, um, giving God a, 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 a space for which his spirit can fill you so you can be transformed. Here's an image that I like to use. It, it's like the spiritual disciplines are like setting your sail in a direction where the spirit can then blow and push you towards Christ-likeness. Does that make sense? You can't push yourself towards Christ-likeness. You can't doggy paddle yourself towards Christ-likeness. But what you can do is position yourself for the spirit to blow you towards Christ-likeness. And then you can partner with what the spirit is doing. So it's in the passive voice. You can't do this yourself. You can just put yourself in a space, create a space for God to have a place to transform you. Be filled with the Spirit. It's in the passive, passive voice. Secondly, it's in the present tense. In other words, it's continuous. It's keep on being filled with the Spirit. And you say, but wait a second, I already have the Spirit. Why do I need to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And I love how one person put it. You guys ready? Because you leak. That's why you need to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit because you leak. I mean, imagine like a balloon. If it, three days later, the balloon needs more air, right? And, and, and Paul says, continue to be filled with the Spirit. This is a lifestyle. This is why we continue to come back to, to Jesus and to make space and open up our hearts to Jesus so he can continue to fill us with the Spirit so that we can be transformed more and more into his image. So here's what it looks like for me. Oftentimes, I will pray this, God, Help me today to be in line with your spirit, to come into alignment with your spirit and not in alignment with my flesh because no one wants that. Least of all, my wife and my kids. Or I'll say, God, and this is, out of, this is a prayer out of um, Galatians chapter five where, where, where we pray that we would be in step with the Spirit because using the metaphor of walking, that we would be in step. And I remember whenever I was in band and I'd get off step, I'd do this little half step so I could get back on step, right? And, and I want to walk in step with the Spirit. So many, many, many days of my life, I will start by praying, Lord, help me to be in step with your Spirit. Help me to be in line with your Spirit. This is why we need time in Scripture because one of the ways that the Scripture is going to fill, or the Spirit's going to fill your mind is through the Scriptures. And He's going to transform your mind. It's almost like a, a radio. Back in the day, we used to have to turn knobs. You guys don't remember that, I'm sure, right? And tune into the frequency of the Spirit. And when you intake Scripture, it's like the frequency of the, of the world starts to get further and then you come into the frequency of the spirit and your mind starts to think like the spirit would think continue to be filled with the spirit and then finally it's in plural 
Be filled with the Spirit is in plural. In other words, we need each other. This is a communal effort to be filled with the Spirit. This isn't just a, a personal effort. If you want to be filled with the Spirit to walk differently, you're going to need other people around you. It tells us not to partner with, the, uh, with, w- w- with those who do things that are outside of God's will, but we need to partner with people who are wanting to be conformed into the image of His Son as well, and that we would join together and encourage each other and spur each other on that this desire, this, this journey of being filled with the Spirit, it's passive. We open our hearts so he can fill us. Then it's present, it's continual. We continue to come to him so we can constantly be filled by the spirit because we leak and then it is communal. Because if you're going to bear the image, family resemblance, be able to be the light that and shine like he wants you to shine and like he wants me to shine and be filled with the spirit. We need each other. Here's what I know. I know that when Jesus hung on the cross, it says that for three hours, darkness covered the area. In the middle of the afternoon, darkness descended. And it was a picture of what literally happened, but it was also a representation of what was happening on the cross, that the darkness of our sin was coming upon Jesus and it was being focused upon him and darkness came over the land. And then as he was buried, as the light of the world bore the darkness on the cross so that we could have light, so that we could have life. As he was bearing that, it says something happened. He cried out, it was finished. And when that happened, the the temple curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the other places was torn from top to bottom so that the Spirit of God could rush out so you and I could live lives filled with the Spirit so we could bear the image of the sun and shine light. So, what would happen if all of us say, you know what, we are all in process of learning how to walk. (laughs) But we're going to walk differently. We're going to forgive. We're going to submit. We're going to speak differently. And as a result, Jesus... Let's close tonight with worship. So let's stand if you if you can. Dear Jesus, we confess prone to wander, Lord, we feel it. Prone to walk our own way. Lord, fill us with your spirit tonight that we may shine for your glory and bear the image, bear the family resemblance in our interactions, in the words we say, in the way we walk. Isn't that good news?
that Jesus paid the price for our sin, washed us white as snow. That's good news tonight, folks. That's good news. I was thinking about, as we were singing, the image that I heard years ago of walking with the Spirit. And he, he likened it to a dance where the Spirit leads us, but we follow. And he said this, he said, you know, like in a good dance, this, there's somebody who leads and someone who follows. He said, but the Spirit's not just going to drag you around the dance floor. Like he will lead you, but you have to be responsive to his leading and, and follow him. And so let's respond appropriately and respond by just responding to what the Spirit's wanting to do in our lives, to teach us by his grace and by his power to walk differently. So Lord, as we conclude tonight, would you fill us afresh with your spirit and tomorrow fill us afresh again and the day after that and the day after that to continuously be refreshed and filled in your spirit. And Lord, help us to each day partner with you and what you're wanting to do in our lives, that we may walk differently for your glory and our good. Now for the benediction, may God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious and turn his countenance towards you. And may he give you peace in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Have a wonderful week walking differently as you follow Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com.